We're going to continue our series of studies about Bible authority tonight. Uh, this is the sixth lesson in this series about Bible authority. And I actually think probably we're going to do one more at least next Sunday evening, Lord willing. Somebody said, how, how could you have that many lessons on Bible authority? Well, because there's a, just a lot of crucial information relative to that subject. And as we've been saying over and over and over again, Bible authority is so essential, so fundamental. We need to understand it well. We need to make sure we're practicing it carefully. We need to be ready to teach it to others because it would solve so many problems in the religious world. It would solve so many problems among our own brethren if we all had a very good practical understanding of and ability to apply the principles of Bible authority. So we want to continue our study tonight. Last week we began to talk about applying these principles of Bible authority to the work of the church. Uh, and this is, this is the area wherein uh, among churches of Christ there have been many contentious problems. Applying the principles of Bible authority to the work of the church. Last week we talked about the fact that the Lord has certainly authorized us to work in the realm of evangelism. We're talking about our collective work as congregations. We are authorized to work in the field of evangelism. If you want to really simplify that work, it is the business of taking the gospel to the lost people of the world. Evangelism. We have, uh, we have direct statements. We have approved examples. And we know that the way that that is to be done is also specified. There's a pattern set forth in the scriptures. We know that a church may support a preacher while he works among them, and we illustrated it this way. We know that a congregation can support a man while he works in another field of endeavor, and we illustrated it that way. In fact, we know that several congregations could directly support a preacher. Maybe it takes more than one congregation to support a preacher working in some evangelistic field. And so more than one, a plurality of churches could send money to the same preacher as he works to accomplish uh, the preaching of the gospel, evangelism. This is how it's supposed to be done. However, we know that there have been some innovations that uh, are troubling we know that the concept of the missionary society, wherein churches would send money to a man-made organization with a president or chairman or board of directors, and that man-made organization, that missionary society, would then oversee the sending of money to preachers. There's no authority in the, in the New Testament for a, a man-made organization, a missionary society, to be functioning in that realm. We talked about that last week. We also pointed out that a later innovation, and this has caused lots of trouble among churches of Christ, a later innovation was the sponsoring church arrangement. And in that arrangement, various congregations sent money to one church, the sponsoring church. And then the elders of that sponsoring church served as the overseers of the evangelistic work. The problem with that, of course, is that it's not authorized in the Scriptures. There's, there's no example or command to do anything like that, so there's no authority. Furthermore, it violates the concept of local church autonomy, self-governance and independence. 
because the contributing churches give up their oversight, the sponsoring church assumes the oversight of a work bigger than their own, and that's just not biblical. So in evangelism, we're authorized to act. Certainly, nobody disagrees about that at all. But there is a way to do it, and there's a pattern set forth. And if we're going to follow Bible authority, we need to do it very carefully in the way that the Bible says. A second work that God has assigned to the church is the work of edification. Now, if you want to very simply define this, I would suggest that edification, while evangelism takes the gospel out to the lost, edification is the instruction and the strengthening, the building up of those who are already Christians. Again, I don't believe that anybody argues whether the church should be doing that or not because all agree. Certainly edification is an important part of our work. We have uh, direct commands and statements. We have approved examples of churches acting in that realm. We know that if we're going to do that, we'll have to make some decisions, some means to the end. The authorized end is edification. Uh, and, and so since we're authorized to act in that realm, we have to make certain expedient decisions about place and time and teachers and students and subjects and all such as that. That would all go within the realm of edification and the general authority to be edifying. However, we would not be authorized to set up separate organizations to do this work of instruction and building up Christians. Uh, for instance, especially, well, you know, this has been a troubling issue. There's no authority for churches to send money to a human organization like a Christian college. The Christian colleges often argue, we're here to strengthen young Christians. Well, there's no authority for the church to support a separate organization to do the work God assigned it to do. And furthermore, the church is not authorized to get in the business of providing for social and recreational activities for anybody, young or old, uh, because that's not authorized in the Scripture. The argument is often made, well, when we have a a get-together or a party, in our fellowship hall, in our kitchen, in our family life center or gymnasium, when we get together and have fun, it's a good opportunity for Christians to share with one another and be strengthened in the process. That's not the authorized means of edification taught in the New Testament. And so there's some violations, there's some issues, and there unfortunately have been divisions about how the church does its work of edification. So evangelism, edification. There is a third area of work that the Lord has authorized the church to do, and that is the work of benevolence. When we're talking about benevolence, we're talking about physical assistance, helping people with the necessities of life, food, clothing, shelter, those sort of things. And so when someone doesn't have what they need and are not able to provide for themselves, then that presents a benevolent situation. The church is authorized to act in realms of benevolence. For instance, if we were looking for our authority we could find a direct statement in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, beginning at verse 1, Paul says, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. 
And when I come, whomsoever you shall appoint by your letters, then will I send to bring your liberality unto Jerusalem. Now that's one, that's one explanation of a, a benevolent need. Paul was on his last missionary journey and he was collecting contributions from churches to send to a benevolent need that existed in Jerusalem. Now we're going to talk more about that in in a minute, but that's just suggest the authority for doing such things. This is just a statement. This is just an explanation of what was going on. It it actually constitutes a command to contribute on the first day of the week toward these ends, but we have authority for benevolent work. We have approved examples. There are a lot of them. We're going to look at them here in just a minute. But certainly there is authority for the church to be working in the realm of benevolence. Now, how was it to be done? How is this work of benevolence to be done? Well, here's a very important thing to observe from the Scriptures, that when churches acted in the realm of benevolence, it was always directed toward needy saints needy Christians, it was never from the church treasury used to relieve those who were non-Christians. Now, this is a really important distinction. We're talking about what the church as a collective body is authorized to do. We're not talking about what you or I might do as an individual Christian. We believe as individual Christians, we are to do good unto all men as we have, therefore, opportunity, especially those of the household of faith, Galatians 6, verse 10. As individual Christians... We should, in any situation wherein we're able to do and it's a real need, we should step forward. God wants us to be benevolent people. Please understand that because I think we get misrepresented about that an awful lot. As individuals, we are to be a benevolently minded people. But as a collective body in the local congregation, we are only authorized to direct benevolence from the church treasury toward needy saints. I think there's probably good reasoning behind that. That is because the far more important work of the church is evangelism and edification. Those those involve addressing spiritual needs of people. Now, when there's a physical need among Christians, the the church has that limited authority to act. But the church is not a general welfare society, and that needs to really be pointed out. Notice some of the examples here, and this is just to back up what we were saying, that the church's realm of benevolence is always directed exclusively toward needy saints, not to non-Christians. We have a number of examples. I think here on this chart I have the sum total of all examples wherein congregations acted to relieve physical necessities. And I just want you to observe, we won't take time to read all those passages, but I just want you to observe that in every instance, the benevolent work of these churches was directed toward needy saints, toward Christians. Acts 2 verse 42 mentions all that believed. Chapter 4 verses 32 through 35, all them that believed. Acts 6 verse 1, the disciples. Acts 11 verse 29, we'll look at this a little more carefully in a minute. But the relief was sent to brethren. And then in a whole section of passages that runs all the way through here, the Apostle Paul was describing one specific benevolent case. On his last missionary journey, Paul served as a courier or a messenger. 
And as he, as he passed through the churches in, in, uh, in Greece and in Turkey, uh, sometime in the New Testament it's referred to as Achaia and Asia, as he was passing through those congregations and on his final trip back to Jerusalem, he was collecting their gifts that were to be taken. Notice, in every instance, it says that the gifts were to be taken to saints that were in Jerusalem. Every case, not a single exception. Always when churches contributed from their treasuries, it was toward the needs of saints. Now, do you suppose that in any of those specific cases, there would have been other needy people? For instance, go back here just for a minute. Look at, look at this example from Acts 11, verse 29. In Acts 11, verse 29, get a little bit of the context there. Back up to verse 27. Acts 11, 27. In these days came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch. And there stood up one of them named Agabus and signified by the Spirit that there should be a great dearth throughout all the world which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea, which also they did and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. Now this was a general worldwide problem. It says there was a great dearth throughout all the world. Were Christians the only one who suffered in that hard time? Obviously not. But when relief was sent, who was it sent to? It was sent to the brethren that dwelt in Judea. And so, in every case, and we could spend more time talking about these examples, but in every case, what we see is that when churches acted as a collective whole, their benevolent work was limited toward needy saints. How can we do this then? Well, first of all, a church may care for its own needy people. And actually, this is what ought to happen. If a benevolent situation arises wherein a person, a family, uh, those who are Christians have a need that cannot be met in other ways, uh, I think we should always stress that the church is not a benevolent uh, uh, organization per se. It's not, it's not to be a general welfare society. And even among Christians, if needs can be met in other ways... They ought to be met. Before we go here to Acts, let me take you to 1 Timothy chapter 5. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 16, it says, If a man or woman that believeth have widows, let them relieve them, and let not the church be charged that it may relieve them that are widows indeed. You see that? The church is not the agency of first resort. It's actually the agency of last resort. So you take care of your own needs. Uh, if you have needs that you can't meet, maybe your family can step up and help the needs that you have. If it's beyond that, then the church can get involved. But see how the church then acts as an agency of last resort. And so let's imagine that we have a very bad situation that develops. Maybe right here in this local congregation. What do we do? Well, we can step up uh, within this local congregation to relieve the needs of those who are of our members. Notice uh, in Acts 2, verse 44, all that believed were together, had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men as every man had need. 
That was the very first example of the church acting benevolently. In chapter 4 of Acts, these early Christians, it says in verse 32, the multitude of them that believed were one heart and one soul, neither said any of them that all of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them, and brought the prices of the things that were sold, and laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made to every man according as he had need. And so we see that example. We see another case we won't take time to read in chapter 6, that early Jerusalem church did similarly And so we could graphically illustrate it this way. Here's a church, and there is a needy saint or needy saints um, in their number. And that local church can and should address that problem. So a church may care for its own needy saints and should. Secondly, one church may send to many churches in order to relieve needy saints. We, We read just a minute ago in Acts chapter 11, about that great dearth that happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. Uh, And so the Christians in Antioch, which was in Syria, this is Antioch of Syria, uh, that's way to the north of Jerusalem, just about straight north of Jerusalem, actually, by several, uh, probably three or four hundred miles. I'm not sure, I haven't looked at the geography of that, but it's, it's a good distance away. And it says that the disciples, verse 29 of Acts 11, the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt at Jerusalem. Notice how they did it. Which also they did and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. Now, there were various churches in Judea. Uh, It says that the relief was sent to the brethren in Judea and was delivered to the elders of those churches in Judea for distribution among the saints in their congregation. So if we wanted to graphically illustrate this, we would do it this way. Here's the church in Antioch of Syria, and they sent it uh, to various brethren in Judea, and the way it was handled was that the church in Antioch sent it, and the elders of these receiving churches distributed among the needy saints there. So... Here's a case, and it is, the, it is the only kind of a situation that allows for one congregation to be sending money to another congregation. Remember when we were talking about evangelism, the churches, the, 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 the supporting churches sent their relief directly to the preacher. But in the case of benevolence, the contributing congregation sent money to the elders of the local congregations where need existed. And so this would be a good way to represent that sort of a situation. And then there's one more pattern set forth in the New Testament, and that is that many churches may send to one church to relieve needy saints. As we said, uh, there are a number of passages that speak of a situation that developed near the end of Paul's third and last missionary journey. And as he went among the churches, he was taking up a collection. He was serving as their messenger or courier to take from these various contributing churches to the church which was at Jerusalem. Let's read just briefly in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia 
how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and the deep poverty abounded to the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, and yea, beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. Notice these churches wanted to make a contribution to the saints in Jerusalem. And so here, a, a plurality of churches were sending to that great need that existed in Jerusalem at that time. In chapter 9, as this same context continues, in chapter 9, verse 1 of Second Corinthians, Paul says, For as touching the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you, for I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia and Achaia, uh, of Macedonia, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal hath provoked very many. And so Paul was encouraging the church at Corinth to get involved in this contribution as well. Now, there's more that could be said about that, but if we wanted to graphically represent that kind of a situation, we would do it this way. Here, there was a plurality of churches, and they were all sending to the church in Jerusalem And we know that when Paul got to Jerusalem, he delivered that to the elders of the church in Jerusalem for distribution. So here's the, the, I think, the totality of New Testament uh, teaching, New Testament pattern for churches doing work of benevolence. Take care of your own. One church can send to multiple churches where need exists. Many churches can send to one church where a need exists. But remember, in benevolence, it's church to church. And the, 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 the sending church sends to the receiving church, and the elders of the receiving church distribute that as the need exists in their local congregation. Now, having set forth that pattern, let us make sure that we understand not to do it in some ways that have cropped up, some innovations have come in, Even among our own brethren, there have been people doing things that are not authorized. For instance, among our brethren, there have been instances uh, wherein they would set up what we will refer to as a benevolent society. Uh, One that you've probably heard a lot about right here in Middle Tennessee is the Churches of Christ Relief Fund. And there's a man-made organization in Nashville. And they solicit congregations to send money to them. And then that man-made organization determines how they're going to distribute that relief wherever they see need exist. And by the way, they don't limit the, the distribution of those funds to Christians only, but to all. What's wrong with that? Well, a couple things wrong with it. There's certainly no Bible authority for a benevolent society, a man-made organization doing this work. Obviously, we would also have to discuss the question of whether those funds could or should be used to relieve needy saints if they came from church treasuries. There's no authority for the relief of non-Christians from the church treasury. Got to keep emphasizing, as individual Christians, absolutely yes, we should be benevolent to all as we have opportunity. But from the church treasury, only to needy saints. So we'd have a couple problems with this kind of an arrangement. Well... Again, another innovation. 
Because even, even among our brethren, some of them say, oh, you can't do that benevolent society thing. Let's put it under the auspices of a sponsoring church. And so they would have churches send money to a sponsoring church and the elders of the sponsoring church oversee the distribution to the, to the place where the need exists. That's the same problem we talked about earlier, right? There's no authority for a sponsoring church. There's no authority for these churches to give up the oversight of that part of their work. And there's no authority for the sponsoring church to assume the oversight of a work bigger than their own. And so the sponsoring church arrangement to do benevolent work is also wrong. All right. Uh, So we understand the work that God has assigned the church in benevolence. If we were to summarize then how we would apply the principles of Bible authority to the work of the church, we would talk about, first of all, evangelism. And in matters of evangelism, the, the support goes directly from the church to the preacher who's doing the work wherever he may be located. Uh, there's no missionary societies or sponsoring churches that, that's not authorized in the New Testament. We want to make sure that we understand that and avoid those uh, innovations, avoid those violations that have come in. That, that's been divisive. Uh, as we said last week, that's been divisive among churches of Christ, especially now. Well, missionary societies and sponsoring churches are some of the reasons why there's differences between churches of Christ. In matters of edification, it always involves spiritual things. When the church acts to edify those who are Christians, that edification is a spiritual edification, and it doesn't happen by having parties and fun and games and food. Uh, that's not the work of the church. We know that it's not accomplished by the church supporting human institutions like Christian colleges either. And then as we just studied in our lesson tonight, when it comes to work of benevolence, the the church is authorized to relieve saints only, only Christians, from the church treasury. Benevolent assistance can only go to those who are needy saints. And notice that it goes direct from church to church with the receiving church then administering over overseeing the distribution to the of those funds where they are needed no benevolent societies no sponsoring churches all right uh, that's our lesson about applying the principles of bible authority to the work of the church and really There's there's authority and New Testament pattern set forth for all three of those broad areas, evangelism, edification, benevolence. We want to make sure that we follow the pattern. In summary, we would just say we are often asked, what is the difference between various churches of Christ? Why, Why is there an alienation? Why do some churches of Christ not have anything to do with others? It's because these very factors that we've just been discussing have driven a wedge. It's been divisive because some brethren have not been content to follow the New Testament pattern and observe the authority for how the church does its work. And and that being the case, then others have had to say, we can't fellowship that. We can't be a part of that. We can't, we can't acknowledge that. That's error. It's wrong. It's not true to the scripture. That's why there is alienation among churches of Christ. It's a question about What is the work of the church and how is it supposed to be done? And the answers to those questions 
Bible authority. Bible authority provides the answer. 